Yeah, we didn't even know that. We heard the theme music. I was watching uh, clips on my phone. I don't know what you were doing. You and told me to look at clips on your phone. No, and then I heard you scream, are we on? <laughs> That's how we opened. I didn't even know the show started, and it, it, it was snuck up upon us. I'm not ready. I have to send a text to my husband. Hold on. Well, that doesn't stop the show. You, you go. Okay, I'm going to go. Um, this is uh, Howie Mandel does stuff. I'm Jacqueline Schultz. <laughs> wow, you're able to multitask. She's Jacqueline Schultz, who is my daughter, who is the co-host of this podcast. And I will tell the people who are listening and are not watching, you are multitasking at the moment. You are sending a text at the same time as being on the podcast and paying absolutely no attention to me. But that doesn't matter. It only matters if you, the <laughs> listeners or watchers or wherever you uh, subscribed or downloaded or streaming or reviewed it only matters to you i will i mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that we were uh, number 30 in uh, croatia and trinidad and lebanon um no I'm, you got wrong in 25 and then 31 just shut up and text anyway the <laughs> i'm telling the audience i'm very excited i think we moved up one rung am i correct jeremy or anybody else who has the analytics i think we're 29 now in croatia is that true jeremy you're the one who always gives me the analytics or alex <laughs> In Trinidad or Lebanon. So I want to thank all our Croatian. We've been there. 25. 25 now. It didn't. Yes, it's it the did. same. No, quiet. <laughs> it's not the same. It's because of the people of Croatia. I wish the rest of the world would get on board. Um, and we we uh, spent some time, my daughter and I, in uh, Dubrovnik. Not recently. And that's not why it went from 30 to 25, but a few years ago. And that's why we got a sense of the people of Croatia. And when we were putting together this podcast, I remember saying to you, Jackie, we know what people in North America like, but let's grab that Croatian audience. Yeah, I think you're wrong. Dad is 25 in Trinidad and Croatia, right? And 31 in Lebanon? Uh, yeah, the, we just discovered the bad news is Croatia has a total of 26 podcasts. Oh. <laughs> and what number are we? 25. Uh, 25. Oh, I thought we were 30th. That would have been worse. Yeah. To be the 30th yeah. in a country that only has 25. Like we're five below the possible. Why are you making that face? It's so hot. I've never, <laughs> it's, my coffee's so hot. Okay. I burnt my mouth. Go on. Okay. Anyway, uh, so what are we in Croatia now? Are we 25th? Oh my gosh, 25. 25. Yeah. Number 25. Why are you saying, oh my gosh? Because how many times do we have to say it? When you achieve something in life, I think life is too short to not celebrate it. So I'm celebrating it. I'm not letting it go. In fact, uh, this whole episode is dedicated to the fact that now we went from 30 to 25 in Croatia. It's not true. It was and <laughs> in order to celebrate that, we have a special guest coming in a little later. Are you familiar with Anthony Jeselnik? Yeah. Yeah. He is one of my favorite comics of all time. He has like one of my favorite last names. Jeselnik? Yeah. I don't know why. I just love that. The Jeselnik. guy's been working for years Jeselnik. on his career, on his career, on his comedy, on his specials, on everything. And the favorite thing that you like about him is his last name? Jeselnik. Is that how you're going to say it when he's here? <laughs> yeah, it makes me make a face, too. Jeselnik. Okay. Are you going to do that when he's in the room? Mm -hmm. 
You're going to say Jesselnik like that? Jesselnik. Yeah. Do you know what the, um, I'm wondering, if it, maybe it's Croatian. I don't know what Jesselnik. Is he going to roast us? Do you know that that's how he started? Yeah. Do you know that he started behind the scenes on the roasts? You, I know that because you told me. Yeah. No, he, I overheard you telling someone outside right now. But yes, yeah, because know. all the best lines that you ever heard, I think, <laughs> came from Jeselnik on the roasts. Yeah. And then finally they asked him if he would not be behind the scenes and then come up. And I think his first time on TV was the Trump roast. I think when he comes in, we'll talk to him about that. But his stuff is so, I was just working out for JFL and he was on every night at this uh, Supernova comedy club, which is outside. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to his stuff, which is my favorite stuff, it's so dark and so anti, you know, cancel culture kind of stuff, yet he gets away with it and people love it, but it's, it's we'll talk to him about it. Okay. But that's what we'll talk I've to noticed, him about. I've noticed, I'm gonna call you out a little bit right now before he comes in, but every single comic we have come on, you say they're your favorite. They are. All of them? Mm -hmm. You can't have that many favorites. How many children do I have? Three, and I am your favorite. <laughs> yeah, but when I- I wasn't, other... I wasn't your favorite, but now I am. No, it, it depends on the day. Alex, who's his favorite? Well, now that you have kids, it's you. Yeah, everyone knows. You just need to hurry up and have kids. And then... Do you not have kids, Alex? I, I don't think so. Have you ever been, uh, uh, Alex, for those that are just tuning in, and maybe this is the first podcast, that's our son, Alex. Not our son. That's your brother. That's mm -hmm. my son, Alex. That's her brother. Who, uh, uh, you know, and we'll do it a little later. We'll do pranks. But he was involved in a big prank on us. Well, two pregnancy pranks. One, you got him. Is that on YouTube? Can we put that up? Uh, it, it is on YouTube, yeah. So one of my favorite pranks was that you did on your brother was when you were pregnant. I don't know how far along you were, maybe pretty far along, right? And then you said the baby's coming and Alex was in the room. Oh, yeah, when he had to deliver my baby, which was the weirdest thing ever because I was there with my husband and my first child. And for some reason, we convinced Alex that when I went into labor in his apartment, that he would be the one that had to deliver the baby. Not my husband, who was standing right there next to him. Well, because Alex, your <laughs> husband, they're both named Alex, this is going to be confusing, was on the phone. Okay, I'll call. You take care of your sister. What you did, I think you burst a water balloon. Yeah. Yeah, in your under your dress and he yeah. thought the water broke and then he was freaked out and you're going hold my legs up hold my legs up and he's going your husband should be doing this your husband should be doing this that was a funny well i was super uncomfortable because alex my husband kept saying hold your legs up and spread them apart and i'm like no alex it's fine like can I didn't you play wanna... this can you play that video uh, we will in post Oh, uh, is it a big deal to play it now? And we, we can, don't even uh, have any screens working right you now. You have no monitors, no screens. Where would I play it for you? <laughs> we have nothing working. Well, we would hear the audio. <laughs> it's okay. You know, no, we'll... And then he'll sync it up. But, but it doesn't matter. It was really funny. And then the other funny one was uh, also what it had to do with pregnancy was when you were going to have your second child. Mm -hmm. You uh, did a pregnancy test mm -hmm. where you pee on one of those sticks and then the, the color says yes or no. And then you gave the stick to Alex, your brother, mm -hmm. who handed it to us. Yeah. So we thought that Alex had impregnated somebody. That one you can't really play on the podcast because it's hard to even hear what's going on. My daughter was screaming and crying the whole time and kind of like ruined the prank. 
didn't ruin the prank, but the video itself, it's hard to hear what's going on. But it was really funny. But I think the funnier one, and you should watch it on YouTube. And we'll, let's put it, we'll put it in here, right? Yeah, you can. Yeah, uh, is the one where he thought he was delivering his sister's babies. You know what I did want to talk None about? None of though? our monitors work now? Well, you could plug, your phone's plugged in, so if you want to watch it on your phone, it'll be overlaid after. No, we don't need to watch it again. Why? We've already seen it. Yeah, but it, it's it's funny. Uh, what what would it be under, Alex, if I was going to look it up? It's on Jackie's channel. Or it's on, I put it on TikTok, too. TikTok, too. TikTok, too, which is the sequel to the original <laughs> TikTok? You know what I did want to talk about? What? Because um, it's all over my all my social media feed right now, even though this, I think, is going to air two weeks from now. So then <laughs> so let's not talk about it. You don't want to talk about the crazy fashions and stuff from the Met Gala? The Met Gala. Well, I'm not allowed to show videos or anything. They I can put it in after. Yeah. Well, yeah, but we can't see it. It was kind of, we can't see it. The, the one I remember is Kim Kardashian looks like she's trapped in some big woman's spanks. <laughs> Doesn't it? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get these high fashion. I don't know if that's high fashion. As no, much as it's the... supposed to be high fashion. Was there a theme this year? Yes. Uh, what was the theme? Do you yeah, guys know what the there's theme There's always was? a theme. I know, but I didn't see a concise, like a cohesive theme this time. I remember there was like enchanted or fairy tales, and that was, I understood that. This one I didn't understand. Rihanna came with, who's her boyfriend? American independence was the theme. American independence. So now it oh. makes sense. That's why she was wrapped in, in Spanx. American like she independence. Was no, but you, you understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. Who's Rihanna's boyfriend that came in just like an old lady quilt with a blanket wrapped around him? Which is how I want to, if I knew that was high fashion, that's how I would want to dress to every single event. You know what? You had a lot of weird fashion stuff dad i did yeah yeah you walked around with a glove purse a man a man uh man bag what do they call it i called it a handbag and it was a bag in the shape of a hand yeah uh, and then you also had like a lot of purple stuff purple these outfits these, scripts these are, md they, anderson they, cancer center oh this Here is for you Here for good no that's not we're not uh, that's not one of our ads that's was I was just gonna play the prank and then the ad came up. That's I'm not knocking that. If they want to sponsor our show, you'd be okay. So this is. Wait, is this like a the really long one? I don't know. Hey guys. Yeah, so no, don't play this. Just today, just so I thought, play it in post. Why not? Because that's like an eight minute. Here we go. It's already. I can get to the prank. Don't worry about it. And I'm leaking everywhere. Look. So this is. I'm you. leaking. I'm everywhere. leaking everywhere. <laughs> so you're in your brother's apartment. And you've got your little daughter with you, and there's Alex jumping in. What's he doing? He's giving you paper towels. Paper towels, because I said I was going to vomit. I think I'm going into labor. Wow, I smell Emmy. I'm a really good actress. What the fuck? What's going on? You just keep yelling Alex. You realize that everybody in the room is named Alex. We don't know which Alex you're calling. He just noticed the water broke, so you had a, oh a balloon under your dress, right? Yeah. He's calling out. Oh, what do you want me to do? What the fuck? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to call right now. I'm going to call right now. They called you, too. I remember I called you prior and told you. To say don't answer. Yeah. No, to say don't worry. We're too far away from the 
look. They, he sets up his camera. I know. Alex, always the YouTuber. Why are you calling dad? Because mom didn't pick up. Because mom didn't pick up. You have to lift your butt. Ouch. Oh, your your husband is saying that he's talking to a doctor or something? Lift your butt? 911. Okay, is my mom there? I Go get me a pillow. Maybe I could put my legs up on a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Put your legs on a. He, where do you get a pillow that fast? He, he, look how he's running too. He's running with these little short, weird steps. Is it coming out, Jackie? Are you dilated? I don't know. How am I supposed to know? Are you dilated? I feel dilated. I'm just so glad he didn't tell my brother to see if I was dilated. What? Twenty, twenty to twenty-five minutes. They'll be there minutes? in 20 yeah. to 25 minutes. When does 911 give you a... <laughs> we will be sure. It's not like calling for the cable guy. They'll be here between noon and five. Look how he runs. Just watching your brother run. It's kind of kind of a dance. More pillows are, are showed up. You need to lift your butt. You need to go on an angle. That's acting, right? That's acting. Lift your sister's butt up. Just leave me alone. See, I keep saying no. I have no idea if she is or not. Are they on their way? Yeah, they're 20 to 25 minutes away. Is closer? No. Aren't they closer? Now, you have to say, in this apartment, we live one block from the fire station. I don't know. He's never Googled this. Okay, well. Why does he know about the happiest animal on earth but not how to deliver a baby? My sister, I don't know who he's on the phone with. My sister's water just broke and she's going into labor in my apartment. Not on this. Maybe you can just hold my feet up. Yep. 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 I can do that. You, they said you have to lift oh my your God. Butt up pretty much no, just my feet. I wash my feet. I promise. I, I wash my feet. I promise. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> no. Yeah, lift He's your, lifting your leg up. Lift your legs closer. Okay. That's what they said. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do. Lift your legs closer to It's like Alex is crying. And as he lifts her legs, he's turning his head the other way because God forbid he should see his sister. Closer, closer. Are you sure? 100%. They okay. said like a parallel 90 degree angle. <laughs> and, 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 I love that he's giving instructions. Parallel 90 degree angle. We'll be there in 20 or 25 minutes. My poor daughter is sitting there. Like, what's going on? Oh, look at her on their counter. Abby. We're wondering. I'm just so worried now. No, this is. Oh, my God. What are you making me do right now? What are you making me do? I'm not ready for this. <laughs> He's not ready for this. Usually they say push, push. He's saying no. I'm not ready for this. No. What do you want me to do? Do something. No. Do something. No. Do something. I'm right there. No. What are you telling me to do? No. He's getting so mad. Do something. No. There, he found out it was a joke. Really? Yeah. Really, Alex. Are you not going to it? No. No? <laughs> no, he's so good. I'm freaking out. Oh, he was freaking out. You bought it, didn't you, Alex? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you are so funny. The legs are at 90 degrees. The fact that the fire department, 911, was going to take, how did you not know when they said 20 to 25 minutes? 
I just was freaking out. I don't know. But now I know exactly what I needed to research for next time just in case. What is that? Did you research after? Well, I was going to go get certified to be at least be like a doula. <laughs> <laughs> in case it should ever happen again. Did you get certified to be a doula? You, for those not, that don't not know, yet. not yet. My son, Alex, uh, when somebody says, what does he do? Uh, I think the answer is, what doesn't he do? He does so, everything. So he's a, he, you know, he. we talked about this earlier. He married you. He's an efficient. He's an ordained minister. Uh -huh. um, he's a certified bartender. Mm -hmm. He is, uh, what are you certified with on guns, Alex? What What is your certificate? Say? That was a, well, it's ex expired now, but I was a firearms instructor. Firearms instructor, <laughs> and now you're going to be a doula. What else, Alex? Well, there was, I was looking through a whole list of things, and you could go anything from like doula to like hula hoop instructor. Wait. <laughs> how not, did you get, how did you jump from thing. doula to hula hoop? No, I don't know. I was just trying to, I was looking at a list of all the things I could, I just want to be certified in everything. Well, I, 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 can I just say something, and I mean this with love? My son is certifiable. <laughs> Didn't you want to do, um, Skydiving? I do, but uh, that's the one thing he's not going to do. Yeah, mom and dad really don't want me to do that. Plus, but I'm we not do want him to, to do it because I have terrible ears. They also didn't want you to be a cop. Well, just say that that that, that just comes. Up, I'm not supposed to do it because I have terrible ears. <laughs> like that's coming off like in people's minds who are listening that if he drops out of a plane, his ears are so big they're going to flap. Didn't and it's gonna... he? Didn't no, no, he like Seth, 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 who's right behind me, he skydived and his it popped his eardrum. And didn't, you've had a popped eardrum already. Didn't he register yes. to be a police officer? And whenever the paperwork came, you guys intercepted ripped it and ripped, ripped it, it up. And he had no idea and threw yeah, it away. Yeah, mom said she would never sleep if I ended up doing that. But I kept ordering the, I kept like registering and the papers kept coming. I was like, why isn't it showing up? And finally, <laughs> mom told me like years later, she's like, yeah. And you kept getting those letters for to be an officer. I was like, yeah, they, those came? She goes, yes, yes, I tore them up. <laughs> Can you imagine that though? That's a great show. What? Alex Mandel, Detective Doula, <laughs> who's also certified in the hula hoop. <laughs> you can get um, certified in scuba diving. No, his ears. My ears. Oh, your ears. <laughs> Those ears stop you from so many things. No, he wants his Yeah, Rich kid. says I could do doula hooping. Doula hooping. Oh, my God. That's so good. Without childbearing hips. What do you think that would look like? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did you want to be a doula? You know your sister's your your uh, your sister's sister-in-law Riley's sister-in-law is a doula, I think. Riley's husband was born on a couch. That's gross. You know, um, you know, I had a neighbor. <laughs> I had a lot a, of people had neighbors. No, I had a neighbor who was I don't know if it's midwife or doula, where they give birth in their home. They like they. That's what the, coach, I'm telling you. That's what Riley's sister-in-law. Yeah, does. they coach in-home births but like or deliveries or whatever i used to be partners with those because i used to be in the carpet business yeah and i would get <laughs> <laughs> i would give them a percentage if they would spill the liquid on the carpet so that they would get more i could sell more carpet no you didn't no i didn't okay anyways i thought you were going to say something in connection to like a woman's carpet you know, Does the carpet match the drapes? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so I wasn't. I if would this always was 1986, hear, that would have been a good reference. Yeah, I would always hear screaming coming from our neighbor's house, which was great because they could never tell us like the, it was too loud and there was too much parting because there was always screaming from next door, 
And I never complained about that. And then they even invited us Oh, wait, us one the time. person would come to the house? Their then? house. Yeah, they had it set up at their house. I don't know why. Usually you would want it in your own house, but they had it yeah, at Yeah, where are you house. having your child? I'm having it at Cedar sinai Where are you having it? I'm having it at the uh, Kaiser Permanente. Where are you having it? I'm having it at Carol's house. Yeah. <laughs> right next door to Jackie. They would do it in their hot tub. And I remember one time they invited us to come over and use their hot tub. And I was like, no. No. So gross. Really? You yeah. would take a jacuzzi and amniotic fluid? I would not, but they invited it. They invited us. Is it. the chlorine okay? What? Isn't it like chlorinated? Don't you have to do it in like a separate like little I pool? I think then? they drain and clean it out. Do a full clean out after every person. No, you don't say I think. You just hope. I hope. I don't know what they were doing. I just heard screaming and then there was a lot of like invites to invite us over for... Like swimming and stuff. How do you know they were really a doula and they weren't like a murderous, yeah, like screaming? What are you guys talking about? I feel like you guys are veering <laughs> off into another conversation. Yeah, I was just, I was just saying, Alex, the hot tubs usually involves the conception, not so much having the baby. All right. <laughs> so. We just keep the mic on back there. No, whatever, I love that. I love that. If I hear it, that's great. <laughs> and then I love that you you had your joke, and then you and Alex laughed alone. We what we like to do on this podcast is spot entertainment, just pieces of entertainment that come from various uh, people and various places. And maybe the whole audience doesn't laugh or enjoy it, but that's okay as long as the person who is uh, sharing their information with us, laughs and enjoys it. There and that was good. That was a good try. Uh, that was good. Uh, I bet you rich. that's for our Croatian audience. Oh my God. Yeah. I, 24. I think we, I feel us moving up to 24 with in Cro Croatia and Lebanon and uh, Trinidad. Yeah. Are we still, uh, Jeremy is our editor and one of our producers on the show. Jeremy, have you checked the analytics since we were number 30th in Croatia? And are we still? Or you don't get it weekly. Uh, I am working on it right now. Let me pull it up. Do you mm. want to do a, what is it called? A prank phone call before our guest comes? Do you want me to? No, I mean, do you have anything else you want to chat about? Are you just because, uh, I will tell the people at home that our screens are down. And maybe it's I go I, based off our screens. I'm a screen person. I have my list usually. There's no list in front where of Where is me. your uh, laptop? Next to me. <laughs> so don't you have ideas? I could tell when you're the one that says, do you want to do a prank call? That's you flailing and going, I don't know what the fuck to do. I have nothing to talk about. Well, I was going to talk about. We're five, minutes, we're five minutes into this podcast. <laughs> the guest isn't shown up. The screens are down. Um, we're letting the people in the other room just mumble into the microphone. I was Dad, do a prank call. Help us. Save us. Is that exactly what was happening? No, I was going to talk about the Met Gala and you shot it down. And then I was also Well, I just talk think it happened weeks ago. The, the hikers, lost hikers. The not lost hikers. The one that. The ones that died. Don't you, isn't that lost? Is your phone ringing? Yeah, I don't need to answer it. Um, who no, who did you decide not to? Well, you maybe I shouldn't broadcast. No, I don't know. It's a, so put it up. Okay. We'll put it on speaker. Oh. We've been trying to reach you concerning yeah. your car's extended. No, warranty. it's just a robocall. Should call. have received something in the mail Watch. about your car's extended warranty. I'll, no. Since we have not gotten a response. We are giving you a final courtesy call. Oh, there's a final courtesy call. <laughs> Press one to speak with someone about possibly extending or reinstating. Here we go. <laughs> Cards extended. Warranty. Can you plug it in? I will. 
It's exciting. Hi, this is Alisa from the war. No, hi, Lisa. This is uh, Howie. Uh, you called and we were on the uh, podcast and we were waiting to find out whether uh, we are in Croatia 29th or whether we're still sitting on 30th. And then the phone rang and then you said the extended warranty on the car. This is our final warning, yeah, right? So- and I feel bad yeah. that we didn't uh, reciprocate at the original warning and, and it's gotten to the point we're at the final warning. And I want to say that I apologize profusely on behalf of myself and my daughter, Jacqueline. We did not mean, we, I swear to you, we did not mean to put it off this long. Goodbye. Really? That was so fast. That was so fast that she gave up so quickly. How many scams is she getting that she gave up on yours so quickly? I'm, I feel hurt. I mean, that, that, was, <laughs> that sucked. Why do they just call like that? Goodbye. With a bit of an attitude. It's because you apologized. Why? You apologized. That's nice. Why did an apology get me hung up on? No, just like... My record right now when I get spam calls is 55 minutes. I've had somebody on the phone for 55 minutes. That wasn't even five minutes. You should have just let her talk. Should we call her back? If you want to, you can. I don't think you can call back at that number. Oh. You can try. I've never tried to call one of these extended warranties, but I get called, I don't like three times an hour. Really? I get called all the time. Do you need help? Let me see if I can call her back. Wait. You used to be able to keep them on for so long. Now I'm finished too fast. <laughs> this is uncomfortable. Pranking was my thing. I was the prankster. I was the guy that, and now I can't hold on to a good prank for more than a minute and a half. <laughs> Who's going to like me? I finished too soon. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. I have, uh, what do you call it? A premature Premature Prank. pranker? I'm a, I'm a premature pranker. Premature eprankulation. Premature. <laughs> that was premature eprankulation. Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed in front of my family, in front of all the listeners, but most importantly, in front of the people of Croatia. How does that even happen? I found out what the movies are. Okay, the movies. You have to watch, and they pay you to watch these movies? $1,300. For 13 feel- movies. That's $100 a movie. You see, I tell you I don't get scared of movies. Movies don't scare me, and I think it's because I'm medicated. I, I don't have fear mm-hmm. of anything. The only thing that scares me, and I don't like it, are the jump-out noises. I don't like that. Jump-out noises. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they're like, ah! Well, that didn't scare <laughs> me. But. All right, well, the movies are... <laughs> the movies are Saw, Amityville Horror, A Quiet Place, A Quiet Place Part 2, Candyman, Insidious, The Blair Witch Project. Oh, The Blair Witch is the one. That, the, yeah. For those that don't remember, that's a while back. Sinister, Get Out, The Purge, and Halloween. But the, the Blair Witch Project was the first movie that I ever saw where they did. It was, it was built into the movie was an amazing campaign where on the internet you saw these kids who apparently were lost in the woods somewhere and were taking videos. Look, at it's Anthony. Anthony's walking into the room right now. Hi, An- Anthony. Hi, Anthony. This is Jacqueline. Have a seat. There's your mic, your headset. Thank you. You're welcome. He seems to be very excited about being here. Yeah. Are you vaxxed? We're vaxxed. I'm vaxxed. We're vaxxed. We're vaxxed. No, Welcome, buddy. Jim Brewer, don't worry. <laughs> is he anti-vax? 
He just came out. I can't hear. Can you? He his headsets aren't uh, working. Yeah, can you not hear me? I can hear you, but it's not. Nothing's in my ears. Nothing's in his ears. The screen is off. His headset isn't working. This is why I I'm so <laughs> upset about Radio Shack being closed. Nothing works the way it did. Mm -hmm. Do you realize that? Since it's Radio Shack, here somebody's coming in to fix. This is my son Alex Anthony. Hi. Um, it's unplugged. <laughs> you knew we were having a I guess. I see the problem. Yeah, he sees it. Well, where does it plug into is the question he's asking. You find it? Do you hear me now? No, he didn't plug it in yet. Oh. <laughs> just running around. He's just, the there it is. I wonder why it's unplugged. Oh, they moved. Now can you hear me? Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Um, welcome, Anthony Jeselnik. I was telling. Uh, do you like scary movies? I do. You do? Oh, yeah. I love them. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, uh, my favorite scary movie is a movie that freaks people out. If they ever take my recommendation, it's a movie called Martyrs. I'm going to watch it. Was, I don't know what it is. It's a, it was a French movie. There was a, a movement called French New Extremism where they were just trying to mess you up. And this movie, Martyrs, is just sheer brutality. Not even scary so much as just you feel awful afterwards. They made an American remake that's not, not good, but the, the French one will mess you up for life. Is it like a centipede kind of thing? A human centipede? There's some gross-out stuff in it, but it's more just like... I don't want to spoil anything, but... I'm not going to watch it. Like Teeth? No. Did you watch Teeth? You know the movie Teeth? I did not. That's about the uh, vagina dentata, I yeah. believe is the, the <laughs> yeah. term for it. I, uh, I didn't know it's called vagina dentata. I think I'm saying that right. It's like a is that Latin word for teeth in your uh, pussy? Dentata is for sure teeth in your pussy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You I, know how I heard about this movie? How? Tell tell me. <laughs> My daughter recommended it to her parents. No, not because I watched it. I actually didn't watch it. I was a teacher. Um, for 10 years and my second grader came to class one day and told me that he watched teeth with his mom the night before and that it was really scary and asked me if i had ever watched it i didn't know what it was and so i went and looked it up after and i was like oh my gosh but then i told you to watch it and we've watched it we watch it every thursday yeah. my wife and I. i've got questions uh <laughs> what grade were you teaching second second grade second so a seven th a seven or eight year old sat down with his mom to watch seven that year old movie. yeah mm -hmm. that is gonna mess up a kid for sure if your dad watches it with you it's like maybe he's trying to impart some kind of lesson but your <laughs> mom it's like this is gonna mess you up I but i think that you. watching it with your mom uh, as a seven-year-old it kind of grand it makes the mother seem more grandiose the fact that he is here unscathed through her teeth and she was able to birth him in that way. I think it makes her look like a hero. I think she was grandizing Wasn't that her the same role. thing that Sasha Baron Cohen did in his latest movie? Wasn't there like, that was the thing? Was there was teeth in a woman's vagina? No, the period. It? She had her period when she was dancing. Oh. Remember that? Did you see I that? I did not see the latest Sasha Baron Cohen movie. I've been talking to my daughter about you all morning. I'm a huge fan of you and your history and uh, your comedy. And I would, I would imagine there isn't anybody, though we are number 30 in uh, Croatia, this podcast. Really? Yeah, so I, I can't speak for all of them, but they know you and your beginning. And I'm so fascinated because not only is your comedy hysterically funny, but it's incredibly surprising. I've never seen somebody that is so um, comfortable uh, meandering through a story that always has this incredibly surprised dark ending. 
Thank you. You know, but it's like you're a storyteller. And and when I spoke to you the other day, I said I was telling the audience that I I got to talk to you a little bit at Supernova. There's this outdoor comedy space in here in California. And I asked you what your history was and you were going to be a novelist. You wanted to be a writer. Mm -hmm. And that's how that, that made so much sense when I watched you because you were able to craft these stories where I believe I know now that it's not true, but I believe that I know where it's headed mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm a hang on every word. And then there's this dark turn at the end, which is surprising, hysterical, wrong, yes. sometimes mentally damaging. Yes. You're the M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalan of comedy. I've, Shama- been call- I've been called that many times. Yeah. Yes. I see and, funny people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like, I mean, I, when I started out, I just, you can only do five minutes at a time doing open mics. But I thought I can write for the like the other you know twenty three hours fifty five minutes, and I was just going to be a better writer than everyone else because I hated being new. So I thought if the joke is brilliant, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing comedy, it's going to work. And over you know, almost twenty years now, the confidence grows, and I just. I, but I when I think of the people that you were writing for, like you were writing for Jimmy Fallon, who's mm-hmm. the most affable you know, mm-hmm. smiley, uh, late night, happy guy. He didn't use a lot of my jokes. No. But I can't imagine you sitting in that room. I, I, I don't know that you've ever, I'm talking to Jackie, if you've ever been in a writer's room, but you, it, it's brutal in the sense it's fun because you get to swap ideas with people, but you'd have to pitch the jokes. Well, we, I, I was a monologue writer. So I was kind of in my own office, just like cranking out jokes. And it was the beginning of his show before the Tonight Show, even on late night. So he didn't really know, even know his own voice yet. So we had to write so many jokes for him to go through. But once a week, they'd make the monologue writers come into a pitch meeting to pitch sketch ideas and stuff. <laughs> and I famously bombed everyone because you're working on jokes all week. You're not thinking about pitches like the way the other writers are. Right. But every time I would pitch something, I, honestly, I would make Jimmy upset. Like he, no. he, would be, he would be visibly <laughs> upset with me. Do you know that that's the best story? And those moments, they don't record them, but those would be great moments just to hear you pitch the idea and watch it just lie. Oh, it would always die. I mean, even if the other writers laughed, he was a little upset. And there was one time where I just thought, you know what? I'm going to keep going and see how long I can talk. And from the get-go, he was not into the bit. And immediately goes to his phone, looks annoyed. Everyone's looking at me, and I talked for maybe ten minutes. I, I love that. I, that's brilliant. I, yeah. You just lean into it. Yeah. And did he ever admonish you for? No. This never. He never. I mean, he was a great boss in that he never yelled. He didn't use any of my stuff, but he never yelled. He was never mad. He knew who I was, and I think they hired me just in case they needed me but for an show, edge. Yeah. Because he doesn't have that. He doesn't. I'm sure he has it within him to mm-hmm. do it, but not on television. That's he did, not who he's he, selling. Yeah, he wasn't going for the edge. A lot of times they would say, Anthony, this is funny. People will laugh, but then they'll hate Jimmy afterwards. And my <laughs> whole thing is like, I'm daring you to hate me on stage. So, And I only knew how to write the one way. So so the way you write and the way you perform in these times, you started, how long have you been doing it? Uh, 19 tw- years. 19, like 20 years. Yeah. So, So 20 years ago, See, I love, I got into comedy by accident and I got into comedy and, and by f- no means am I edgy or anything. I'm, my persona precedes me as just being this silly little man that <laughs> acts like an idiot. But, but that being said, I love when people are uncomfortable. And to me, that's in, in my life, I've always laughed at the darkest moments and that's what's gotten me through and that's been my panacea and that's been my, my survival. In these times of uh, cancel, culture 
and political correctness. Your brand is exactly what is the target of this. Does that ever... No, not really. People have tried, but because everything, everything is dark and everything is offensive and everything is no, not PC, I get away with it. I'm not trying to be the voice of reason. It's clear that these are jokes. I mean, it eventually became clear. In the beginning, people were like, what is going on here? And I love right. that. But I think that if I was trying to moralize at some point and then went for like a dark, offensive twist, I might get in trouble for that. But, but you, I, I'm not giving away your jokes terrible. and I don't want you to do, to do them here. You don't have to do them here. But even watching you at Supernova from everything from transgender to like whatever is the hot topic right now and the people that are fighting for it is where you take it and turn it upside down. And you watch the, which was fun for me in the room, is you watch the audience, They got you could tell there's like a guttural response to it, and then they look to their neighbors to make sure, is it okay if mm -hmm. I, you know, usually uh, if you're with your girlfriend, can I laugh at this, or your boy, you know, or your boss? It's fun to watch that reaction. No other comic gets that kind of reaction. And the last time I remember it, I've talked about this ad nauseum, was when I came out here, in the late 70s, I would go to the comedy store every night and watch um, Richard Pryor mm. uh, put together live on the Sunset Strip. And, you know, this is out of context right now, but there was nobody, you know, before Richard Pryor in that ilk, not that ilk, of the, the, the young black comic, Cosby was like through the stratosphere. Yeah. And his routines were like about Noah and about his little brother and growing up and being a father. And then you watched Pryor on stage who was, when he was working on this, he had uh, burned himself freebasing. He was still had the bandages on stage wow. and was talking about freebasing and talking about growing up, uh, you know, in a brothel with his grandmother and talking about uh, drug addiction and his other, you know, and uh, paraphrasing, you know, the, just the, the, the topics, but they were hard to swallow for an audience in 1978 or 1979. These were like, Nobody's talking like this. And mm -hmm. this is not like we've heard any comic on The Tonight Show talk. And I, not since that have I seen audiences react like the same way. Is this okay for us to laugh at? Is wow, this that a, is, that is high like, praise. It is. But that's yeah. why I, I'm so excited that you're here today. And I would not, I love everything you say. I'm being totally honest with you. I don't think I would have the nerve. I, do, I haven't thought of anything like what you're thinking of. I don't know that I personally would have the nerve to do it. Again, I'm in a different situation in the sense that right now the biggest part of my income comes from ad-supported <laughs> family television. So I, ha I have a little bit of a responsibility. But you've been on ad-supported family television, which is, well, Comedy Central. Is a little bit. I mean, I hosted Last Comic Standing. I was surprised that they asked on me NBC. to do that. On NBC. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'll get a lot of sponsors. I don't I don't have, uh, you know, networks beating down my door, but that's, that's fine okay. by me. I know a lot of people who have sponsors and networks beating down their door, and they're miserable. You know, and they, eventually they want to take an edgy turn into, like, doing something that's a little bit uh, forbidden, and they can't because they're locked in, that I thought if I just do this right away, I can kind of age into it, and I'll make enough money. You know, I'll be, I'll be fine. Was so, it a choice to do that? Or is it, this is your humor since you've been younger? Like, is this? A little of both. You know, yeah. when I look back on my life, you know, being in school, I would get in trouble for making the dark joke. You know, the, 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 something that was like inappropriate. And my big thing was if I could make the teacher laugh, I wouldn't get in trouble. 
You know, so I thought if I can say something that's like you weren't dark, trying to make the class laugh. You weren't the class clown. You were just the clown for the teacher. I, it was more for me. It was more like I would think of something and I had to say it, even though I knew I was disrupting class. But if the teacher laughed, I, they couldn't get they couldn't yell at me afterwards. And so that kind of get, led me to a more mature kind of darker. But again, smart humor or a lot of sarcasm that uh, that would crack up, uh, you know, like a 40 year old woman. Uh, and so instead of these kids who were kind of looking around like, why is the teacher, the teacher laughing? Right. But I knew that was the, that was the, the way in. Well, irony and sarcasm come later in life. That's mm -hmm. not what you do in fifth grade or no. sixth grade. Nobody no, has ever said, oh, you got to see this. He's so sarcastic. Yeah. yeah and this that, was like second grade. Like, oh, are I'm, you serious? Yeah. Well, that's when kids become aware of the movie Teeth, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're watching with their mothers. Mm -hmm. and, and that's fantastic. And then you came out here and you started working behind the scenes. What was the impetus for coming? Was it the roasts? Was the first thing where you were like? I mean, I was, uh, I came out here just to f try to find work in Hollywood and wasn't finding anything in Los Angeles. I had an internship at a movie studio the year, the year before I graduated. Couldn't find any work and just decided what would my dream job be? And I thought being a comedy writer would be great. Sitting around a table with a bunch of other people. I didn't think stand-up at the time. And my dad went to college with a guy named Jimmy Brogan. I don't know if you know him. I know Jimmy. Yeah. He, they went to college together. And, I love Jimmy. And Jimmy was writing for, uh, for Leno at the and time. And he's still around. And still, oh, yeah. He shows up at Leno right now, showing up at Flappers. I think Jimmy shows up sometimes there also. Yeah. He still, he's still, he still tours. He's still doing it. But he said, you know, if you want to For those that writer, don't know, Jimmy Brogan was the MC at Catch a Rising Star mm -hmm. for years. One of the He's the first comic that I saw do crowd work, where yes. it was all just crowd work. And he moved out here. He's kind of like a Mr. Rogers-esque kind of figure and he came out here and he was a great MC at the clubs and then he got tapped to do he was going to be the biggest star in the world at that time uh, you know sitcoms were all the rage Robin Williams had just got Mork and Mindy and Jimmy Brogan got he played an angel I can't remember what the name of the show and they gave him the cover of TV Guide was he an angel or was he a guy I I, I kind of remember this differently that he was a, a guy who died and he wasn't good enough to go to heaven but he wasn't bad enough to go to hell so we kind of had to live in this limbo. It didn't last long. It didn't no, last more than a few not, episodes or maybe a season. Well, I, as I remember it, he, they gave him the cover of TV Guide because Gary Marshall, who did Happy Days and Mork and Mindy, I think that's who was doing this show. And he got launched on one of those shows, either on Mork and Mindy or uh, Happy Days or Laverne and Shirley. And I remember seeing him because uh, he was at the comedy store every night. And I remember seeing him on the cover of uh, TV Guide. And then the story goes that, you know, he was a great MC, but acting wasn't his thing. Yeah. And uh, they wanted to keep the show, but replace him. They've done that in the past. Of course. You know, and that was maybe somewhat devastating. And then he went back behind the scenes. But the first TV show that I ever got a lot of recognition from was called the Showtime Comedy comedy thon or something like that and he hosted it oh really yeah yeah he was a great so your dad MC, went your, your dad went to school with him yeah they went to notre dame together so he just met with me and said if you want to be a writer and i thought he was going to say show up at the tonight show and we'll make you an intern or something none of that he just said go do stand up because that will get your writing out there better than writing jokes and trying to give them to someone and as i got more and more into stand up i started to love it more and I thought, let me try to get attention as a writer. So let's make the jokes smart. And I thought a lot of comedians had a dark sense of humor, even if they didn't put that out on stage. Right. So I thought, let me this be a beacon. And by the time I finally got the tonight or the um, late night job with Jimmy Fallon, uh, stand up was going so well that I was like, why am I, why am I writing? 
You know, why do I have this job? I should just be doing stand up. And right. after a year I left and then I did the roasts and that launched me because before I was going to clubs and people were finding out what I was in the moment. You know, it was like, we're here to see comedy and they expect airline jokes and stuff. And I'm coming out with dead baby stuff. Right. So it was like, it was rough. And then once the roast happened, everyone knew what they were coming to and see. And the first one you were on was the Trump one. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That was, I got to write for one before that. I wrote for David Hasselhoff, and then they put me on the, uh, the Trump roast, and I never looked back. Well, that is amazing. Yeah. That kind of launched it. Those are epic moments. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, what is the goal? Is the goal to continue to do stand-up? What do you want to do? Yeah. I mean, stand-up is my, I, I like projects coming from other sides. I don't audition much, but if somebody wants to put me in something, I'm happy to go play with my friends. Um, but, uh, but I really, truly love stand-up, and I know that I'm going for greatness to be like flat out honest, like I've done five hours of comedy in my 20 years. And I know if I just keep going and keep writing, it's just going to get better that I, this is what I love to do. And then I can rely on quite frankly. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I wasn't just blowing smoke up your ass. Cause you do remind me of it, it. You know, I don't know that people can make that connection to Richard Pryor and you, your, your energy is so different and everything, but to watch, it was the first time when I watched uh, Pryor, you know, he had the notes. It was the first guy I saw live in front of people. Like I, before that, I'd only watch people on The Tonight Show. I was from Toronto, Canada. But when I moved out here, he had notes and I watched him cobble together, you know, and work and change a word and change. And I noticed that in it's very, you seem to be incredibly, and maybe it's just your cadence, but incredibly thought out. You care about every word that yes. is coming out of your mouth. Yes. You know, it's more than just the joke. It's more than just the subject matter. But how do you tell that? And I'm fascinated by how you kind of cast that line. You know, it's like fishing and you're fishing for the audience. And you could take, I think it's going to come from here. And then it bites me the other way. And that's what reminds me. I never saw somebody work so hard at the... Well, like, it's an art form, right? You it really it into is. into an art form, mm -hmm. and you perfect it. You always say that on AGT, that people don't realize how hard it is to be a comic. You know, there's all these other people that are performing that have, like, fire and have, like, huge groups of people and music, but then there's a comic that comes out, and it's just him. Mm -hmm. And so they have to perfect this. But, like, it is an art form. Right, yeah. like that you have to perfect and work on forever. Do you feel like you've perfected it now, or is that something that you're constantly looking to improve? It goes joke to joke. You know, once I'm done with an hour, I try to forget it all, so I don't remember my best jokes necessarily. But I think in every hour, I've got a couple jokes that are flat out brilliant, and you just, <laughs> you just need like you need a few. But it's you know, working on the next one, it doesn't matter what I've done in the past. You know, it really is like a show me now kind of thing that I feel like I'm always working to write the next joke. Well, even the fact that, listen to his answer. So even the fact that he's throwing out, that's something no comic is really comfortable with. The fact that you're forgetting the other hour, because for the most part, those are the things that people can kind of rely on. It's like when you go to uh, see a concert in music, you want them to play their hits mm -hmm. and then they can lean on the hits. And there are things that you're known for and jokes that you're known for, and you never lean on that. But I got to say that the new stuff is just as good, if not better, because it's kind of in the moment. Thank you. Yeah, and I mean that. I, I'm not saying that just because it's, it was just amazing. And I brought all my friends and my wife every night. I would never bring them to my shows where I'm working <laughs> on my stuff, but yeah. I would I would phone ahead of time and say, is Anthony working tonight? You got to come see Anthony. You got to come see Anthony. And you got to come see it now. And my wife believes the same thing as I'm saying. You're her favorite comic, which 
bothers me a little bit being a living with <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it is. Who's it, your favorite comic? I mean, I always loved Stephen Wright. Me too. Uh, no, 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 he's not. He's not. And I love Stephen. You know, I started out at the, around the same time as really? Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. He was Jimmy growing too. up. He was my absolute favorite. Loved Dangerfield. I love jokes. You know, eventually Mitch Hedberg, oh. uh, Jack Handy from Deep Thoughts with oh. Jack Handy from SNL. Do you know yeah. who that is? Mm -mm. No. That's too, uh, too young uh, for you or too old for you. Uh, maybe. If you I saw wasn't. Deep Thought on S like an old SNL, no, like Phil Hartman. Uh, Phil Hartman. SNL, you know who Phil Hartman was? Little... No. Oh, wow. Well, she's young. <laughs> Second grade. I'm not that young. I you don't know him. Phil Hartman? He was no. His wife shot him and herself? Maybe if you showed me who he was, I'm not good with me. But he died in 1998. So, yeah. so that's so 20. So I should know. So you would have been 17, 16, but you didn't give a shit about comedy No, I didn't then. care then. In fact. He, he, I didn't want to watch anything that had to do with you then. Right. Yeah. Anything, like if it's if comedy. It was comedy, I'm like, no. She hated me it. when she was 17. I'm always fascinated at entertainers, legendary entertainers who have kids, and the kids have no interest in, like, Robert Downey Jr.'s kid thinks Robert Downey Jr. is a loser. You know what I mean? Like, she, it's so funny to me. She would me. not, that was her. She would not. Not now. No, no, but, but now you, that he's got you a job, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we've talked about this before. I was an awful, awful teenager. Like, horrible. Are and there, so we didn't get along. Ones? Yeah, there's some. My sister and my brother were actually okay. I was not. <laughs> you know, I, I think we mentioned this before, but I moved out of Hollywood and to the outskirts of Hollywood to kind of uh, get her away from Hollywood and a bad crowd. And the crowd that we moved into, there's been maybe three big movies made out of. One of them being, what's the Justin Timberlake movie called? Alpha Dog. Alpha Dog. Oh, that's that was you. That was like your school. That was her that kids. Was my group. That was, <laughs> wow. <laughs> And uh, 13, yeah. 13 okay. Reasons. That's something, I forget what it's called. The Nick Cassavetes movie. Yeah. But it was a mess. Those kids were a mess. The, the bling ring. I was friends with Nick Cassavetes' daughter. That's what, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's messed up kids. Everywhere. Messed up. You have no idea. You have no idea how I would come home from a gig or early and I'd have to, we'd have to go find her and I'd go break into a party and pull her out she hated me and all her friends hated me and it was not fun and i was not cool and it was not cool being howie mandel's daughter i don't think it's do you ever, want kids uh, it doesn't come up my therapist was, was like do you want kids and i'm like i don't know and she goes in seven years of therapy you've never once mentioned children so that means no yeah you don't I'm, have to ha i'm fine kids. if it happened i've got money i could deal with it that's uh, <laughs> that's so emotionally attached. yeah that's an attachment i got a dog during the pandemic and that's enough that's enough fatherhood for me yeah are you in a relationship now uh in between in between right yeah and are you gonna have to explain to somebody after this that i i refer to you as the in between i'm uh, like literally it's like i'm hours out of a conversation of ending one and i'm have a date tonight so well, uh, wait, so wait, 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 <laughs> that's hysterical. You, you, you just, you have a date tonight, yet somebody has just been alerted that it's the end of, it was, it was something that kind of ended and then they found out about this new person and we had to have a talk. Uh, but I'm, it's, I'm pretty casual with things. Is it somebody we know? You don't have to tell me, but just tell me if it's somebody we know. You may have no, no one famous. Oh, but because you, you've gone out with famous people. Mm -hmm. you were, you yes, were Amy. Yes, uh, ten years ago, and uh, didn't didn't enjoy it. Uh, prefer <laughs> prefer civilians, to be quite honest. Um, but Does you, she uh, know you didn't enjoy it? Have you said that publicly, Amy? Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know publicly. I I mean I enjoyed dating Amy, 
But when the, when, th- when fame got in there, it was just a, it was just got messy um, for both of us. We kind of both blew up at the same time. Uh, but yeah, this new this new one, I think you've met her, but uh, but not for a while. Did it end because you started seeing the other girl that you're going on a date with? Like you're like, oh, I like this one better, so I'm going to end it with this one. No, one, and I uh, shouldn't be saying any of this shit. But uh, <laughs> but one was kind of like a very much a product of the uh, pandemic, where we kind of were both doing it alone and just decided to kind of like team up and get through it. And as the pandemic ended, it just kind of we, we kind of drifted apart. Is and this what the, are we are you reiterating the conversation that was had hours ago? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Is that what you explained? This was just about the pandemic and I, we needed each other. And now that we're. I didn't say it quite like that. And I was like, I still care about you. I want to be friends, but I also have to kind of move on with my life. Right. And, it, and you it, said it to her, just... I will love you till the Delta variant. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, and then <laughs> until I come up with something else. Because but now I want something moo. It was a lot of like trying to convince her that this new girl had nothing to do with it. And I believe that, but it's tough to convince someone of that. But at your age and with your track record, you're not going to settle down, though, right? I, I think if I if I was going to, I would have by now that I, I could That's see, what I think. like, I could see maybe like a, you know, un, a, an untraditional partnership down the line where we're just kind of like, we kind of want to leave each other alone and we live in the same house and, and uh, do things together. But I'm very happy being single. And we live in the same like, house. We love well, being I'm together. Not That's- for, there's this whole new movement about not like, even if you're married, not sleeping in the same bedroom, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying anything about my relationship. We're pretty conventional. But there's this whole movement that, like, why are you supposed to even stay in the same bedroom? Like, why don't people have separate bedrooms because you're supposed to have your separate space? And why is that a weird thing? So you can have something like that where you just But that's roommates. That's not a... No, it doesn't have to be. I always say that I would rather be lonely than annoyed. And I've just gotten annoyed in almost every relationship I've been in (laughs) at some point. And I'm very... uh, I, I, I always say I get into one fight at the end. (laughs) <laughs> and then that's it. But it's it's usually like a very it builds up congenial, jovial. Yeah, yeah. I guess it just you just I don't have the practice of dealing with little problems. I love that your breakups are congenial up. and jovial, but your uh, <laughs> well, comedy is so, dark and yeah. pointed. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, are you an only child? Oldest of five. Oh. What yeah. was your theory? I mean, he gets annoyed <laughs> easily at other people. I just he lived he with f- he lived with four other people. So that maybe were that's why. Maybe put on this an- earth to annoy him. Yeah, yeah. I was annoyed. I was annoyed <laughs> until I got to leave for college. You're the oldest. Mm-hmm. What's the range? You're in your forties, right? You're- yeah, forty-two. And then it's like my sister. What's below the youngest? Me is forty. Uh, the youngest is my brother. It was me, three girls, and a brother. He's seven years younger, so he just turned thirty-five uh, five or six months ago. Right, and they all—I don't know that they all—but I just listened to your act. They—they they are some of them are married with kids. My, my sister is married with kids. Nothing in my act is true. None of that. Like I—I I, I like kill my parents every hour, you know, right. and resurrect them for the next hour. Grandparents are coming and going. Sisters are dying. Uh, yeah, nothing. When they true. hear these things and they're <laughs> part of these made-up stories, does that bother them? No, they love it because they know it's made up. So they can be okay. But my mom will say, I'll have a joke about my mom. She, my, my parents have been together now almost 50 years, happily married. Me too, and, and my wife. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and I'll be like, so my mom was having an affair. And people will stop her on the street and be like, I didn't know you were having an affair. <laughs> like, Those jokes aren't true, but it sounds like it. The premises all sound true, even if the punchline's not. Yes. That, but that now they Your love it. Your casting is real. The mm-hmm. stories are fake. You yes. make little movies. Yes, exactly. And they like to be in the movies. Yeah. That's so funny because, well, you could tell you're a writer then because most comics, I think, make jokes about personal experiences that they've actually gone through. But you tell 
stories mm -hmm. that you make up like a writer would. Right. Yeah. Isn't it like. Well, when I started at 23, I was, uh, your life, you're boring. Every 23 year old is boring. Uh, nobody wants to hear what they have to say about life. And I just didn't, I didn't enjoy that. I didn't want to go through that process where I was like, if I can just make things up and have the joke be smart, then who knows who I am? You know, I, I'd like that mystique. I you're like very that. mystical. Mysticable? <laughs> Mysticable. Mysticable. Mysterious. Yeah, that's the word. Mystique-ish. <laughs> Mystique-ish is, is a mysterious Jew. Mm. Is Jewish and mysterious is okay. mysticish. Okay, that's not me. You know, no, you're no nowhere near Jewy. No, no, no. If you had a, a, a Germanic accent, Jeselnik is what? Is that is it Croatian? Slovenian. I was Slovenian, like around there, around uh, my mom oh. was uh, part Croatian. Bokrich. Oh my God. Oh my God. We're moving to 24 in Croatia. You did now. that on purpose. What? You did it. You asked him to come on knowing for I didn't the know. Croatian audience. I didn't know. We just got, we got noticed that we're number 30 in Croatia and to have you within the week that we were notified as number 30. Are we still number 30, Jeremy? Jeremy we went home. <laughs> Jeremy went home. I was wondering what we're all this 30. confetti was doing here, but that makes sense. 30. Because they're... 30. Confetti? Celebrating confetti, oh, you're celebrating uh, yes, 30 in Croatia. I want, someone once told me when I had a Comedy Central show that they can tell where people Google you around the world. And they said one of the, the number one is, uh, is Poland. And I thought, why, why Poland? And they said they think you're Polish. So my last tour, my Europe, last European tour, I booked a date in Warsaw. And they said comics do not come to Warsaw. I'm like, I'm going because they're going to pick me up at the airport. Like they're, they're huge fans and I got to Poland and they had no idea what I was talking about. They didn't understand why would th they would think I was Polish. Well, I don't know who told me this. I don't know who lied to me. Wait, you played Poland? Mm -hmm. You were there when you found out that they don't know you? Yeah, they were, no, they were, no, they were like, we know you, but we don't think you're Polish. We like, we like your comedy and everyone in the crowd was a Polish comedian. It was like a small show because people like don't go, they don't have the venues that they don't support American comedy. But every comic in Poland was uh, was there for that show. And were they were they on board with everything? Did they mm -hmm. get it? A lot of these European countries they understand English better than they speak it, so they would get jokes that in America they're kind of like, wait, what does that mean? And there they 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 nailed it. See, that's amazing to me because I always I talked to uh, Heidi and Heidi Klum and Sofia Vergara are on. Uh, AGT with me and what I say and Heidi sometimes gives the comics a very hard time and uh, comics give her a hard time and I thought you know humor is something that seems to be a cultural uh, it's it's more cultural than it is if I don't speak the language I don't know what irony in Germany would be yes. you know I wouldn't know what's ironic you know mm -hmm. Uh, unless they went, I love the Jews. Yeah. Oh, that's so <laughs> ironic. You know, it's got to be that heavy handed. So for them, when they have a comedian on, if it isn't a joke, like two guys walked into a bar and then something happened when it's just a very dry delivery, mm -hmm. they might hear something of yours and go, oh, my God, that's such a sad ending. Yeah. No, no, no. That's a joke because it didn't really happen. And it's so sad and dark. That's why it's funny. And I find myself doing that. And when they get hit for it but it's that's why i don't understand you go to poland where the language do they get that your darkness and that those twists did they get it i they got it and i think most of them knew who i was and had heard my previous my my you know my former jokes that they knew kind of what they were in for uh but yeah people really uh, the, the european tour was great and in almost no english speaking countries i would assume they, they you would it. do really well in england i do 
Yeah. I do. Because that's a really dark, dry sense of humor as well. Darker than it is even here in America. Oh, way. I love yeah. English comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. most of the people I work with are, are English. And it's here, traditionally American comedy is always, especially on television, there's got to be a comeuppance. Mm -hmm. It's got to be good natured. It's got to be safe. That's why I like you. It's, it's not safe. And in England, they were always pushing the envelope before me. I remember listening to the... You probably don't. Do, do you remember Cook and Moore? No. Uh, Dudley Moore and Peter Cook were a comedy okay. team. He became a movie star, Dudley Moore. But there was these lost tapes of them, and they would record that they lived in. Uh, I'll just say Jane Jane Mansfield's cunt, and they would talk about living in Jane Mansfield's cunt. And this was in the seventies. You know, I'd listen to these tapes. They were hysterical. They were underground tapes, but it was. Uh, Hysterical. I mean, it sounds hysterical. Living in Jane Mansfield's <laughs> cunt. cunt. Yeah, I don't think. I think it sounds cramped. Mm. <laughs> I mean, hadn't she been dead for quite some time by the seventies? Yeah, Didn't you know she? her daughter is uh, from uh, Law and Order. I just Mariska Hardigay. Yeah, yeah, I, and she was in the back seat of the car, and her mom's head yes. flew right into the thing. Yeah. I just found that out like weeks ago. Really? Mm -hmm. That's so <laughs> who, how did that? <laughs> How would that come up in the course of a Anthony's day? It's I feel the same like I was. That told guess you. what happened to Jane Mansfield? Somebody said at lunch. I think I was reading about like famous celebrity deaths or like the worst celebrity deaths. So even in your spare time, you go to the dark. I you, love dark. Yeah, you do I do? I do. Not that's always a, dark comedy because that's what I do, but I love dark books, dark movies. I mean, give me, give me all that stuff. It, if a movie has an unhappy ending, if the hero dies at the end, I'm over the moon. I love it. And do you feel that what you're doing is juxtaposing that to your life? It makes your life seem brighter and more stable and happier. That's why you're drawn to the dark and uncomfortable. I think it does. I mean, I, I just, I'm interested in it. And I think a lot of entertainment is kind of cheesy and corny and they're going to feel like crowd pleaser. And I hate crowd pleaser. I want art to mess me up a little bit and make me think. And so I enjoy things that aren't like, you know why they do certain endings of movies because it's been tested a million times with, you know, uh, how Housewives from Las Vegas that they go to to find out how people want us to want to see a movie end. Right. So when something surprises me and doesn't go for the happy ending, the easy out, I'm thrilled. Well, I'm also uh, fascinated by the fact that, you know, women, I tried to talk about it a little bit on stage, but women are, you know, ID discovery and all these channels and own. They have 24-7 murder. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why, and it's predominantly a female audience, why they're drawn to that. And what was explained to me is it makes them feel safer that they're not part of that. And I was wondering if that that same... Uh, and podcast too. I think the number one podcast is Crime, crime Junkies. Yeah. Do you still do your podcast? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With Rosenthal? Yeah. JRVP yeah. every great. week. That's great. Yeah. Do you enjoy it? You started oh, early. It. You're one of the first people I know that had a pod. I didn't even know what podcasts were. Didn't really? You? We've only done, I mean, this is, last night we recorded episode 122. Like, wait, we, we haven't no, been doing No, didn't it you that start, didn't you have another one then before? We had one at the NFL Network. He worked the at sports the NFL one, Network, yeah. And we did that for like 16 weeks and they kicked me out as fast as they could. Why? The NFL, the NFL we kind of got in, uh, they just yeah. kind of snuck me into the building and the NFL didn't really know what was happening. If Roger Goodell had ever heard that oh, podcast, everyone would have gotten what? fucked. What? Did somebody just, uh, yeah, what? We were just checking and um, Anthony's podcast is actually third in Croatia. Ah, <laughs> deal with it. Wow. Yeah, I laughed That's you. fantastic. So they, they, I, the NFL 
having you under their banner is hysterical. And they weren't paying me. I mean, we didn't, I didn't understand you could make money doing podcasts at the time. It was just like, let's do something fun with my friend who also has a podcast there. So we just got into the studio and his boss knew about it and was worried, but the other people at the NFL network loved it. But they knew that if, if it got too much uh, publicity or people found out that they would get very upset. Cause I mean, I was not anti NFL, but made fun of concussions and Greg Hardy and domestic abuse situations. Like I pushed the envelope as much as I could. And so when the season was over, they were like, get out of here. So you feel the NFL is anti-domestic abuse? I think I think they're anti joking like about domestic abuse. <laughs> yes. Antonio Brown's off field issues. Yeah. yeah. Well that's amazing. But I but so that one you were doing, that's like two fifteen, two thousand fifteen, right? I was like, 15, I seems like a, sixteen maybe. Yeah, it seems and like then, five years ago and fi- now um I don't think there's anybody not doing a podcast. No, every, I mean, because the money just started pouring in and it was like, oh, we can make... Wait, you can make money at this? Mm-hmm. If you don't split it with your daughter. I don't know you week. can make money either. We're just doing this. We're just having fun. What episode number is this? What episode number is this, Jeremy? This is like 22. 25. 25. So this okay. came out of... It's new. This okay. came out... This okay. is new. This came out of uh, during this is like you found that girlfriend uh, during COVID. I found my daughter and we were uh, not the same way. Not this is heading down a bad. I wish that you could write a quick twist to this and end it. But we were uh, calling each other, making prank calls, calling friends, zooming with people. And my wife walked in one day and said, "What is this for?" And I said, "Just for us." And she said, "You should record it." So that became this podcast. Yeah, it's fun. It's easy to do. And now with like Zoom, we don't have to meet. You know, I always think you had to have a studio. You had to do all these things, but it's so easy now with the technology. To just do it from home and uh, and you can I do this at week. home. Mm-hmm. Wow, you're opening our eyes to a whole new world. I just talked to my computer screen. We don't even we don't even meet up. They used to come to my house, and then when COVID hit, we just said, "Let's do it on Zoom." Do you hate people? I don't love them. <laughs> you know. <laughs> do you show affection to your dog? I try to. My dog is not the affectionate kind of dog. Oh, perfect dog. Yeah. Well, that's be- they learn from their owners. I mean, I want an a affectionate puppy. dog. I wanted just a, something to cuddle on the couch with to get me through COVID without drinking myself to death. Right. And I got this dog that's a beautiful dog, but uh, I get a couple minutes of cuddles a day and otherwise... But you had that girlfriend that's finished. Mm-hmm. That was her. That was mm-hmm. her. Well, what- Maybe she cuddled too much. Was she a cuddler? He's My dog, if, if he sees me cuddling, he's he's upset. I mean your girlfriend, and that's why she's gone. It's not gone. a girlfriend; it's an ex. I know. I said that's why she's gone. She cuddled too much. You're not a cuddler. You didn't want. Did to you call her right before you got here to, for the breakup call? I t- I'll tell her to listen to this after we're done. We you can know, call, let's call her. Right her. Right now. Should we call her? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, let's call. Let's her. Call. Absolutely not. Why not? There's no way. Um, there's no way I would ever give you that phone number. You don't uh, have to give me the phone number. Dial it on your phone, and I'll just plug it in. To they hear. told me they were like, the, "We do prank calls. If you have anyone you want to prank, and I cannot think of a single person in my life. I don't want to prank. I want to talk to your be. ex. I want to hear. No, we could she talk to be, the new one. She would be so so mad, which would be good because then it, anger is better than loss. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're gonna win the loss. Really? Yeah. Just like you saying lonely is better than annoyed. Mm-hmm. I think if somebody's angry rather than they feel like a, a, a sad, dark loss, it gives them, when you're angry, don't you think anger is a better emotion? I mean, how you've got to believe me, she's angry. <laughs> she's, she's, not, she's not happy. I don't need to rub it in. I don't need to be like, hey, I told Howie about us. 
Andy, wanted here's to, what I want to do. Call. That that app you have, you know, people did it, which we don't do. It's wrong. We, they put two restaurants on the same call. People have done it with two Chinese restaurants, right? They they put them on the same phone and they talk to each other. Oh my we god! We should have new one and no, her. That, that's what I was saying. We could do that instead of two Chinese restaurants. The girl you just broke up with, and the girl you're dating tonight. We'll have them call each other. Do they know each other? No. Well, they've Googled each other. Yes. That's how well they know each other. Yeah. Is the girl tonight in the business? Uh, peripherally, yes. Oh. <laughs> I bet I know how who did it is. She find I won't out? say so. I, I bet I know who it is. How did she find out that you were going on a date? Read some text messages. Your text messages? Mm -hmm. Wait, how does Wait. she have access to your texts? I mean, I cannot believe I'm going down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I we we were still friends, and we're still friends now. Like no, but friends, I have a lot of friends. They don't see my text. And you I, live together. Still. And I know she, uh, she just she'd come over. I'm like I'm I'm come over, hang out with the dog. We're gonna make some dinner and watch TV. And I'm gonna go to the comedy store, do a set real fast. I'll be back. And you leave your phone at home. I left my computer open. And I guess I don't know if. if she went into it or a text popped up while she was sitting there on the couch and what did she say happened through it she just said i saw your text i got home i said does that bother you right away gone. it annoyed me but i also kind of understood you know i was like i wish you would let me explain this to you rather than you seeing like reading text is the worst way to find out about yeah. this um but uh what did the text say i hate the girl in my house what are you doing tonight? <laughs> there was nothing about her it was just like she just saw uh, the way we talk to each other and the length that we've been talking to each other for, you know, it right. was, there was a buildup oh. before there was any kind of dating situation or romantic situation that, uh, oh, so she, not only did she see a text that popped up, she, she went, went to the back. history. She went, she went, there's a lot of reading all the way, back. Yeah, all the way was back. Brutal because I, we'd be talking, we were talking last night and she would just throw little bombs at me that I had forgotten about. I'm like, well, I've never done wait, this. Wait, wait, so, like, so well, did, I saw the, it. did the texts take place, uh, if you did the math? Where she was she seeing text while she before she knew that they were you were over with her? No, I had ended things with her already, and when I was like, let's just be friends. But then she was like, is, is it because of this? And I was like, absolutely not. It's got nothing to do with that. And then she saw the text and was like, well, clearly, this is something. This is like an Olivia Rodrigo album. Like you can write an album right now that, like I, to uh, rival. Do like you know the reference? I copied my songs from everybody else. <laughs> no but you were saying to this other woman all the stuff that you'd said to the previous one <laughs> were you copying those um no it was just like it was just uh, someone who like an old relationship and then versus like when it's brand new and you kind of you treat it in a different way and that was upsetting mm. it's exciting it's i'm just so trying to live vicariously through i've been married for 42 years so mm -hmm. i don't have this you know, roller coaster of those kind of emotions. And you I'm, still have time to cheat, Howie. And I'm a girl that loves drama, so. Would it bother you if I cheated on your mother? Yeah. Okay, I'm just. My mom once asked my dad if he would ever cheat on her, and he just laughed in her face and said, "I've got four women in my life who are killing me already. Why would I put a gun to my head?" <laughs> He's a good writer too. Yeah, it could have been. That's a where you get your sense of humor from, your dad? Absolutely not. 
He's he didn't he was very very Catholic, not big into comedy. Uh, you know, laughed and uh, was alive. Could be funny. Yes, still alive. Uh, but was an attorney, and uh, I'm everything I'm you're saying about him is was. Family. Is he not Catholic? Is he not religious anymore? When I was grow, I mean, I'm talking about growing up and being around my parents. Like I had to sneak downstairs to watch Saturday Night Live. You know, they so when they hear it. your subject matter and stuff, you're they're okay with that. Your parents they are, they, in the beginning, they thought it was kind of weird and didn't sacrilegious. Know, Maybe not sacrilegious. I mean, I had other family members who were like, if your grandfather was still alive, he would he would beat your ass for what you're saying. And I said, well, lucky me, he's dead. Um, but uh, <laughs> lucky. but my parents kind of, it was more, I remember the first time I did TV, it was premium blend and my parents came to see me for the first time. And they even told me this afterwards. They were like, we didn't think you did a good job because I was deadpan and, right. I, was just, and I was getting laughs, but they thought you, we thought you seemed nervous. But then all the comedians that we loved on the show we're coming up to you afterwards and telling you how great you were. And then we started to realize, and after the Trump roast, when neighbors are coming and knocking on the door and saying, we saw your son last night, and they're like, you've got to understand he's a good kid. And they're like, oh, no, we get it. Like, we understand. We, th we thought he was great. So now they, now they understand. Uh, well, you carved a, well, th though I see the, uh, maybe the influence of a, of a Stephen Wright, that kind of slow, Mm -hmm. thought out and Mitch Hedgeberg is is another guy that does that but there weren't a lot of people on the scene you know traditionally we all kind of perform alike yeah you know even though and you have a, a real different cadence mm -hmm. and structure and because there is that comedy people go to a comedy show and in my day you used to talk about commercials and airlines and things like but it was always that if you didn't listen to what they were saying, there's also that rhythm, which I don't like anymore on you know traditional sitcoms. People mm -hmm. are talking like they don't talk in life. So yes. when you hear something fresh and new, it really sticks out. But again, people don't identify it as great at the beginning, I guess, like your parents. Yeah, but the yeah. other comics did. Yeah, other comics just knew it was different and that I didn't waste any time. You know, when you tell a story, there's, you can have five minutes without a laugh, and people are still interested in the story. But when you're telling little one-liners, you're kidding me. No! We just found out that Norm MacDonald passed away. Oh, my God. I love Norm MacDonald. He's young. And there it goes. I don't know what to say. Me either. That was... Uh breaking news but you'll know now when you listen to this when uh, when we recorded it oh i'm just uh, heartbroken Jesus. i love norm norm is from my home country canada and from my home club yuck yucks and i've worked with him many times Do you know norm yeah we worked together on uh last comic standing i took the job because i wanted to work with norm mcdonald and we fought every day. <laughs> you fought with him? We not not like getting to, but we we would joke back and forth with each other and it just it took a little while for us to gel. You know, that he would say something and I would make fun of it and he was like, "Why is the why is the host making fun of the judge?" They Keenan uh Keenan Ivory Wayans, right. Roseanne, we all like they were all like, "Why is he being mean to us?" And that was just the way I did things. Right. But I was uh thrilled to be able to work with Norm Macdonald and get to know him a little bit. Uh huge huge influence on me. Of just if you believe in the joke, the audience doesn't have to necessarily, right? Because you get it. Like his weekend update was Amazing. legendary to me, and just one of the greatest of all time. I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't. These don't affect me that often, but this is, uh, this is a tough. This tough is one. a. This is a. What does it say? I didn't read it. What did he die from? Somebody in the control. What? What did he pass from? It was cancer. He has he, he been had sick? cancer. 
nine, nine years. years He's had nine years of cancer. I had no idea. I know he had like like a heart surgery or something a while. Of what cancer of what? He kept it a secret from his family and friends. From what did he have cancer of? We're looking at it right now. Oh my god! So not Fuck. even his family knew. I wish I'd been nicer to him. Nine years ago, how many years ago did you do last comic standing? It feels like yesterday. It sucked so bad, but I want to say 2013, 2012, maybe. So yeah, not. So yeah, he was. Uh, he already had cancer. He was making his. He was making his comeback at that point. Yeah. Oh my wow. gosh, the fact that he kept that a secret from everybody. I've wondered if, how I would handle it if I had if I had a disease that was going to take me. Would I just go on the road and like do a um, who was the great comic um, Bill Hicks right. who like had had cancer and just toured until he couldn't tour anymore right. and just did it. But he announced it. I think I think he told people. Or do you just you know? Walk I think up into the darkness? way uh, that in i've never really thought about that until now but i think i would not tell anyone you wouldn't i would not tell anyone but it would i would throw caution to the wind of everything that i was doing creatively i i, I feel i feel incredibly most of the time stifled that's why i i kind of look up to you as far as you don't give a shit yeah i mean you've that, said you don't even know if you want to do comedy anymore be, because i uh what I do is not what I think is the funny. I love dark and I love politically incorrect and I love everything that's wrong. And that's what 90% of the time when I'm there isn't a microphone, that's what comes out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I would love to do that. You know, I don't have a GED because I didn't have, uh, you know, I have mental health issues and I was, and part of those are, um, I don't think of ramifications of things I'd say. And whereas you were the class clown and trying to be smart, I was just in another world. I don't know. When I found comedy on a dare, that was the place that gave me license if I wanted to. But as soon as I started getting jobs and responsibility, it kind of took the edge off of the craft for me. Mm-hmm. David Milch once famously said, uh, David Milch or David Mamet, uh, David Mamet, I believe, said that when you become an artist, you have 100% creative freedom. And then as you start to have a career and build a life in it, you lose that and you spend your entire career trying to get back to that point where you can do whatever you want. Because I, I, I don't have that freedom. Same way you have like an expectation from the crowd, I have an expectation. Right. I can't really go up and talk about my day or talk about my dog. I've got to have dark hard jokes otherwise people are kind of let down that you lose that freedom as you get a reputation right and even the freedom to maybe in the moment you don't even want to be funny like Mm -hmm. you just want to the art is is communication yes and how do i communicate and how do i move people's emotions the what fascinates me about comedy dave Chappelle kind of does that where he doesn't always try to go for the joke and sometimes he just talks but his talking is for a uh, he's making a point or yeah. a political statement now or he's yeah. i feel like he's trapped in a place where you know people are on the edge waiting for the next thing dave's going to tell us about our society and how we live and i, I feel like he's getting trapped in that I rather that, than just being you know yeah so i think it's why he gets into trouble when he has an opinion that's not necessarily you know what people want to hear whether he's talking about michael jackson's victims or uh, the trans community you know people are like well you said this brilliant thing about this 
but you have such a weird uh, uh, weird morality about this sort of thing that he gets in trouble for that. Whereas I can just, uh, everything I say is immoral. And I kind of built my act in a way that I didn't have to, if, I, if I'm sick, you can't tell. If I'm not feeling it that day, you can't tell. If I'm mad at the crowd, you cannot tell because of the way my persona is is portrayed, that I did that on purpose so that I didn't have to be jumping all around. I mean, I couldn't imagine having to dance on stage or or do some like weird physical bit if I wasn't feeling it, you know? So I'm glad I don't have to put myself You know, it's funny that. that you should say that because my persona that I built has always been, you know, it came out of a natural ability at the beginning. You're too young to remember me when I was really young, but when I was really young, my act was really different and it was very hyper and just silly, energy mm -hmm. more than material we go okay okay what, what? but it was because i had nothing and i thought that that was the the purity of being on stage and having nothing and just being terrified and the audience was enjoying and relating to my terror it was, an, it was an honest nervousness almost to it that the, it was endearing that people enjoyed but they liked the what what and the okay okay well there was a time when i got really comfortable and i wasn't honest anymore and mm -hmm. that felt wrong and that felt, it wasn't funny to me. And it wasn't, it was funny because it, when it's real. And that's why I like pranks because people are in a, I like when they don't know it's a joke. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm fascinated by how people react. I, I can only do, I, I can like, I like pranks if it's in a almost, I mean, this is going to sound weird, but in a good natured way. Like, did you see Eric Andre's movie? Uh, yeah, that I love that because people, the prank wasn't really on the people. It's more like they're watching this crazy thing, but you're not hurting anyone's feelings or do anything weird. Like I always thought your show was funny. Uh, how we do it. Is mm -hmm. that what it was called? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of every prank, it's you revealing that you're Howie Mandel. Right. Did you ever do that with someone where they didn't know who the hell you were? Uh, many times. And, 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 and which I think it's a, <laughs> <I remember. laughs> yeah, we did one on here and then I called back. The person got really mad and, and I called back and I said, Hey, listen, I'm doing a podcast. It's Howie Mandel. And I called you and he goes, I don't give a fuck who you are. And I go, Howie Mandel from AGT. He goes, I don't like AGT. I don't like you and I'm not interested. Or, and I've also had people going who, but it's even more hurtful to know to somebody saying, I know. Yeah. I hate you. Yeah. And uh, this the reveal matter. is the reveal for me was funnier. That also is funnier to me. Mm -hmm. Them not knowing me or them not the embarrass, you know, I think that we all come from a place of discomfort. We're always uncomfortable from the time we're born. You know, our diapers are wet, we're hungry, we can't get things for ourselves, we're always crying. I'm fascinated by being able to move that lever a little bit to and it just so happens that I've chosen laughter by accident mm -hmm. to kind of move that, you know, it just means that people relate to what I think is funny or silly or dark, but I also like to scare you. I like to upset you. You say, you, I like to annoy. Annoying is a, 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 something that's so common and so relatable. I'll call somebody in a prank and just be the most annoying customer in the world and watch, you know, before you got here, she was getting some spam calls when people call you know, about your warranty or your car's you got, extended warranty or your, or your Marriott, I, my, just my own, for my own self, I see how long I can hold them on the phone. But my record is 55 minutes. Wow. But to me, that's even funnier than a stand-up. Well, not in point, telling it. At just that for point, me. Howie, the prank is on you. Yeah. 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 I'm entertaining myself. And mom always says that. Yeah. Who's the prank on? Who, who are you doing this for? And it's always just him since I've been little. He's been in a room by himself, just on a phone call with a telemarketer for like an hour. 
And we're like, it's time to go. Who are you doing this for? There's no one here that's laughing or enjoying it. Only him. I almost did Crank Yankers the, the, when they brought that back a, like right. a year or so ago. And they, I was like, I'd love to do this. I love everyone who works there. Great. And they sent me a list. They're like, here's five prank calls we want you to do. And it was all like, this. we're going to call a housewife. We're going to call like a lawyer. We're going to call this guy. And then one was like a 900 number, like a sex hotline. Right. And I was like, I'll do the sex hotline. Because then I know that they want to keep me on the phone no matter what, that I don't feel bad. I don't think I'm wasting my time or hurting anyone. But these other ones, I don't have it in me to do that. And they're like, no, we don't just tape one. We tape a bunch and see which one's best. And I said, I can't. I can't do it. Like, it just makes me so uncomfortable. Like, watching Ali G, watching the original British Office, even though I know they're actors, I would watch it in five-minute shifts. Because really? it would make me so uncomfortable that I have to hit pause and like leave the room and do something else. See, this is a dichotomy between the two. Th- or, or it, this doesn't make sense to me what you're telling me now because you're saying I like the books and the stories and the movies that make me uncomfortable that are dark and not happy endings and surprising. But you don't like the discomfort that you can create on your own in real life. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm comfortable with this. Discomfort makes me alive. Discomfort is like an emotional roller coaster. And I like calling somebody, I don't necessarily have to make you laugh, but if I make you scream at me, I guess when I was a kid, any kind of attention, if you're telling me to go fuck myself, that feels as good to me personally as somebody going, ha ha, that was funny. Okay, you convinced me. Let's call Norm McDonald's son. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how's that, oh. for, how's that for discomfort? That was amazing. That was amazing. That was. I still feel. Oh my god! And now I'm back to feeling bad for Norm. Norm had one of the funniest stories he ever told on the Tonight Show about his father. Do you know about the, his father and Bill Cosby? No. No, not his. Uh, not, he told this on the Tonight Show. He told a story. It's one of my favorite stories because it's real again. Bill Cosby was on SNL when, as a, a guest host when uh, Norm was there. And he tells a story about his dad got him into comedy. Norm uh, McDonald's dad would sit him down. Every time there was a comedian on The Tonight Show or wherever, he would sit him down and, and make him watch. And they would watch Cosby together. Cosby stand up and they would laugh. That was his father and him bonding moment and maybe the reason he got into comedy. So when Cosby was on the show, he went up and he said, Mr. Cosby, you know, I just want to tell you that uh, I think you're the reason I'm in comedy. You are my dad's favorite comedian. And he used to make me sit down in front of the TV and watch you. And that's what inspired me to go into comedy, but you're his favorite. And uh, Cosby says to him, where are you from? And he goes, I'm from Ottawa, Canada. And Cosby says, I'm playing Ottawa, I'm on tour. I'm gonna be playing Ottawa in two weeks. Give me your dad's number, I'll call him and I'll bring him to the show. And uh, Norm goes, that's amazing. Uh, He goes, what's his number? And he wrote down his number and then he walked away and he started sweating and one of his friends said to him, what's wrong, Norm? He goes, well, I told him that story and then once he said, I'm gonna call him, I was too uncomfortable to tell him my my father died five years ago. So I wrote down, I just wrote down a bullshit number and that's it and they go, how could you do that? Two weeks goes by, Norm is sitting in his office they get a call. They said, uh, Norm, Bill Cosby is on line two. This is two weeks later. And he picks up the phone and he goes, yeah. He goes, it's and I'm in Ottawa and your dad's not answering. They said that this number is disconnected that you gave me. What is his number? And I can't remember for the life of me the end of the story, but Norm was stuck on the phone and he didn't want to say, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you that he's dead. Like at what point do you kind of break this to Bill Cosby? It was one of the funniest yeah. real 
uncomfortable. And that kind of comedy is the kind of comedy that I, when people are uncomfortable. I think one of the reasons that I love you so much is because it's, it's this, when you're in the audience, you've never been in the audience for your show, but I'm telling <laughs> never, you. Never been, I've tried. I know. But when you're in the audience for your show, it's this, for every other comic, it's like, listen, laugh, listen, laugh, listen, laugh. There is this uh, patina. I don't know what it's like, this overall covering of people being uncomfortable, but knowing it's funny. It's this mixed emotion. And I love that. It's the discomfort that gets me. Mm -hmm. They go, should I laugh? At I'm going to, this is hysterical, but it's wrong. Yeah. You know? And it's that kind of feeling that I like. And when Norm MacDonald told that, that real life story, it's really funny, but oh my God, his father's dead. He's yeah. in a, you know, it's How like. You get out of that. Yeah. Yeah. There was no way. Was and, there an ending? I can't remember the ending and I wasn't prepared for this story and I haven't, I, I remember I hear it a lot. I'm just kind of bowled over by the loss of somebody younger than me too. I was, my, no, my, that made me think of a Norm Macdonald story he had told about having Rodney Dangerfield on SNL. He was just going to come and do a weekend update a little bit about not getting respect. And Norm had an assistant who just had one joke he told. It's an off color joke. I'll tell it anyway. He said, a, uh, a, uh, a gay guy goes to his roommate he says, hey, I'm going to hide, and if you can find me, I'll suck your dick. And he goes, well, what if I can't find you? And he goes, I'll be behind the couch. <laughs> and he told that to everyone, and he has the assistant. He's like, tell Rodney the joke. And he tells Rodney the joke, and Rodney doesn't laugh at all, and he goes, ah, I got to tell you, kid, I'm not much for jokes. And <laughs> Norm thought that was the, like, the Rodney Dangerfield, like Mr. Joke. I know. We'd be like, I'm not much for jokes. I love that. that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love the stories. I cannot believe. 61. So young, but he's been sick for nine years and nobody knew. He's been working. I know. Working steadily. But one of the funniest and actually a really sweet, nice. Did you know him well? Yeah. Not really well. I mean, um, I've worked with him a lot. We came out of the same club together in Toronto. Um, we went to Yuck Yucks. Are you familiar with Yuck yeah, Yucks? Yeah, I did That's Yuck Yucks I in Toronto. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. where I started. Oh, wow. I started not the club that you played at. There used to be a club on Bay Street. You played Richmond if you played there. Probably. But but it's uh, Toronto was a good hub. There was. Oh, a, I love Toronto. Yeah, but it was uh, w within the same little group of years. It was me, Norm MacDonald, Jim Carrey is out of that same club. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of Robin other. Robin Williams, right? Didn't well, he... no, Robin Williams from Detroit. Or oh, he came out I of San Francisco. You said, didn't the... you work with him? Yeah, at Yuck Yucks. He was oh. at Yuck Yucks, but it, it, like Anthony was at Yuck Yucks, they always hired comics. It was always, the, there was us Canadians and what they used to say from the U.S. because I, I think that uh, Canadians for the most part have a inferiority complex. Mm. So as soon as you said there was a comic from the United States, boom, that place would sell out. If you yeah. were local, they didn't care no matter how funny you were. Yeah. You gotta go see the American. Wanna see the American. And that's and even it's kind of funny when you go to Canada and you watch the comics on um, on stage, the local comics. The, the, there isn't one that will not mention. You know, I was in LA two weeks ago, or as in New York. It has nothing to do with the story, but that solidifies the legitimacy of mm -hmm. them being a professional comedian. Yeah. Because they've been to New York and LA. Whereas I think that Canada and now, you know, I'm involved at with JFL, I want to kind of brand comedy in Canada as being a uh, a force to be reckoned with. Have good, you done JFL? Good luck with that. Yeah, <laughs> of course I've done JFL many, many times. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just, uh, yeah, I love it too. And I love performing in Canada. I was just talking about, you know, it's the 20th anniversary of 9-11, how much, I always have 9-11 jokes in every special. You got and, it. Uh, yeah, you got, you got to do it. I mean, I'm sure you have plenty. And uh, and I always thought it was hilarious that you go to Canada and tell a 9-11 joke. It's a much different reaction. Like they can enjoy the joke more for what it is than in America when you get some, some ooze mixed in with some laughs. But Canada, Europe, they go crazy for 9-11 jokes. Yeah, well, in Canada, they think when you're telling 9-11 jokes, that's just they think it's just the exchange rate on a 7-11 joke. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea what 9-11 is. It's very funny because we do have that uh, kind of um, national independence that we want to feel in Canada, though you walk into Canada and everything's, you know, Walmart, Target, McDonald's, NBC, ABC, CBS. So, you know, I, I grew up, I, having lived here for over 40 years, there's really no difference. I, I don't think. I miss Canada and I miss my family, but my upbringing is very much like my upbringing was, or my kids were up, were brought up here. I remember going, I spent, I spent a week in Edmonton at that comedy club that's in the mall, in like the giant the mall. mall. It's like the second biggest mall Did you in stay at the Fantasyland Hotel? I had to stay in the Fantasyland. Did you have a theme room? Yes. That's what was your theme? Hotel. It was, I remember there was like a volcano. Oh, that's so the I Hawaian. It was Hawaiian. Hawaiian. But, and We've there's a hot in. tub next to your bed that just smells. <laughs> it just makes your room smell. That's not that. The smell is the volcano at the end of the bed has the, uh, like the smoke. It, it I does. never turned it on. You didn't turn it I on? I think it was the chlorine from the hot tub that I also did not get in. I don't want to be in being in a hot tub in my hotel room feet from my bed is not uh, my thing. But I remember just living in that mall for a, for a week and I couldn't even go outside because it was so cold. Right. And just all the restaurants were like were called Boston Pizza. Like everything was just a little bit wrong that I thought. Do you know, I'm was the, I was the funny. spokesman for Boston Pizza. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yes. I was the face of Boston Pizza in Canada. Were the ads about why the hell you would call it Boston Pizza? I mean, Boston's not famous for its pizza. No, and Edmonton is nowhere near Boston. It's very true. <laughs> yes, very I true. know that. No, I have no idea. I, I don't do it anymore. But I was the face and voice of Boston Pizza, <laughs> and I didn't understand it. And I, when I got the job, you know, I was living here, and I thought, oh, and they go, we're going to fly you out, and I think I'm going to Boston, and I didn't know Boston pizza was a thing. I know Chicago, New York style pizza, yeah. Italy has yeah. a thing yeah. for pizza. I've heard that. Canada, not so much. No. We don't have, I didn't know what Canadian bacon was until I moved down here. It's just ham, right? It's I have just, no idea. Yeah, like ham, ham cooked like it's bacon. Yeah. Why do you know that? Where are you from? Pittsburgh. I, I remember Pittsburgh. Why do you know that? It's on every pizza. Pittsburgh? I'm, no, Canadian bacon. I don't know what it is. It's this like the bacon, the pineapple pizza. Yeah. It's the bacon and pineapple. It's I mean, the that, bacon part. That's ham. No. It's yeah. Canadian bacon. <laughs> I know Canadian Alex? bacon from like from McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. It would say, it would say Canadian bacon. But I yeah. spent my first 23 years in Canada and, and nobody has ever said, do you want Am some wrong? of our bacon? Am I wrong? Isn't the Canadian bacon on asking? pizza? Alex knows everything. Well, it's I think it's just, just ham. Oh, but I'm yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> just, just ham. All right. All right. All right. We talked about the death of Norm Macdonald. We talked about ham. <laughs> you want to plug something? I'll plug my podcast. It's all I really have right now. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a year away at least from going back on the road. Really? But, oh, yeah. I mean, it takes a long... I've got, I've got maybe 25 minutes, and I don't go on the road until I have 45. I'll go to clubs, and then once I have an hour, I go to theaters, and then I tape the special. But it takes a long, long time. And during COVID, I didn't write a single joke. I just tried to stay healthy and sane. So I'm, I'm kind of not starting from square one, but I'm, it's going to take a while to build. And again, it's my fifth hour. 
that I've run out of things to talk about. And it's it's going to be slow goings. But once I do have that hour, well, it's be from killer. what I've seen, and maybe the, I don't know how long those sets are at, at Supernova. Fifteen. Fifteen minutes. Yeah. Well, you got a strong fifteen. Thank you. I, I'm very happy about the fifteen, but it's I can almost rely on it that I don't have to get out of my comfort zone to do a fifteen minute set, which is what we're always doing. Right. Uh, but then I, I get to do my Largo show every month. That uh, that I'll, I have this Friday, and then I get to do it all my time. That uh, that's how I really find out what works, you know, in front of my audience who's coming to see me. Uh, that I that once that once that's forty five, then I can go. But it'll be a, at least a year. Now, if it's your audience that comes and sees you, do you re- is that a fair litmus test to whether some because they're already. You're, you seem to be, you could be surfing on your celebrity there rather than the, how do you know that the joke works? You would think, I mean, it's just, I think they get what I'm going for, but at the same time, they're also more likely to guess what my punchline's going to be because they know, because they're like following it. And some people watch me like they're watching Jeopardy. Right. You can hear them whisper what they think the punchline's going to be. Right. And I love when they're wrong, but, the, but uh, if a joke works there, you know, I feel like the comedy store, Supernova, that's like going to the gym. Where it's like, let me try these out, and when if when I hear it in front of my audience, I know if it really belongs in the act or not. So it's not I, they don't give me a lot of grace, but they know what they're in for. It's harder to shock them or to upset them than it would be a, some random people at Supernova. And do you feel like at at, at Largo? I I've, I don't think I've ever done it, but at Largo they're also more um, what is the word hip? It, it might be hip, but it it what I. Uh, they don't need at Largo like they need at a comedy club a laugh every two. If you're telling like a really interesting story, you know, it used to be in, I think it was in the 90s, they did uncomedy there, you know, unstandup, I think it was called. Uncabaret? Uncabaret, yeah. yes. And I always that, hated that. Well, it was the, it was like a safety net. Yeah, I got it. Um, it was just like, but let's do it without jokes. And I was like, I'm not interested. And people are like, oh, I love when you talk about yourself and like open up on stage. I don't like that. As an audience member, I, I don't care about your girlfriend. T- make me laugh. Give me something that I'm like, how right. did he think of that? That's called Goat for yeah. Coffee. That's not a show, mm-hmm. right? If you yeah. want, if you want me just to chat, but maybe there, if it's not like, I think from listening to you that you're really crafting word for word Mm -hmm. so if you have an audience that is already so accepting of you don't you find that it's harder like i like when i'm writing i go into the worst places ever i was going into i would call a room even when you saw me at supernova i was trying to get you know i needed 12 minutes for this for a jfl thing and um I would I would call a room. They were having a, a a short horror film fest, and I go, "Can I drop in tonight and just do a quick little set?" Th- these are people that don't necessarily like me. Mm-hmm. We're not there for me, but I always felt like if I can get a giggle, and I would record it. If I can get a giggle out of people who aren't there for me, don't care about me, and it's something that that's where I knew I trust them almost more than I trust myself. Mm-hmm. Those jokes, are, I mean, those, if, jo- if a joke works there, it's bulletproof. But it, there are jokes that some people like. They won't. They won't get a laugh at the comedy store, but they'll get a big laugh from Largo. And so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I'll eat it with this joke sometimes. But I know it's good. It might just be a little too weird for the squares. But I can uh, if it works at Largo, great. And there are some jokes that work at the comedy store that do not work at Largo. And it's like, okay, I understand why they're laughing at this. It's a little bit easier than my other jokes. I've got to cut this one out. So it's a it's certainly a process. It's about thinking. There's mm-hmm. certain places you go where people don't want to think. Yeah. You know, television, no thinking goes on. Yeah. They don't listen. They don't think. 
No, you, you're on your phone half the time. You just kind of have it on in the background. It's comfort. And I'm, nothing about my comedy is comforting. So uh, speaking of comfort, before we go, you, do you not want to do a prank call? You don't I, have to. No. I'll let you guys have fun. <laughs> you know there, no one's wanted to do a prank call that's come in. I'll do one myself after you leave. I'll do one. I could do one. Uh, you have only done 22 of these. I'm sure you're going to have plenty in the future with people desperate enough to do a prank call with you. No, so, we've talked everyone into doing it. They just came in saying they don't want to. I love when people say we can talk you into it because no, you can't. No, I don't think we could talk you into no. it. No. Not even to call that girl. It's not even a prank call. It's like, let's solidify the breakup. Th that's, uh, I mean, that's a gun in my mouth situation. No way. But you realize <laughs> that that would be, that would be really good for us. Yes. yes. And, and it would be a, like a, vi maybe a viral moment and maybe push us into the top 15 in Croatia. I think she would be like, I, I can't believe you did that just to, just to do a favor for Howie Mandel and his daughter. <laughs> They'd be like, that, that's, that's insane. In need for people who only have 22 episodes of a podcast. You guys are over anyways. Like, I mean, I'd still, like to, I'd still like to maintain a friendship. I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, even though we haven't done the prank call. Okay. All Is she right. Croatian? Mm, I don't think she's that lucky. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, anyway, Anthony, you are uh, a joy. You're smart. I'm, this was, for me, I, I don't know how, how you felt yeah, about Hawaiian it. Yeah, Hawaiian pizza could be either ham or Canadian pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yes. Great. See, this is a well-oiled machine. No, I listen. I'd say no to podcasts all the time. I would not be here if I didn't uh, respect the hell out of you. And uh, you know, uh, of course, you're well. That means well. That means and, a lot. Uh, and and want to do this. I I just can't believe I came here to to find out Norm Macdonald died. Like that's I oh mean, my that's, god, that's a gut punch. It really is a gut punch, and it kind of. I'll be totally honest with you. It is a gut punch that kind of brought my mood down because you know he is somebody uh, and it, it, even doubly because to not know that he was sick i i, I feel like i would have wanted to be there for him or at least but maybe that he it's his choice yeah i mean he talked him. about death a lot and that i'm sure he he went out the way that he wanted to uh i i'm th i'm thinking about the assholes in the booth over there who were like let's flash this on the screen during a, during a podcast <laughs> yeah who is the asshole that was rich i was for rich? Sure rich was that yeah. you it was like, this will be Alex. Great. Yeah, no, we thought you might want to talk about it or get it up like this week because it means a lot to the com comedy world. You know? Yeah, give, surprise us with that <laughs> and uh, <laughs> let us react in real time. That's, that's great. Oh, that's my awesome. God. It, that is a gut punch. Um, we love you, uh, Norm. We love your comedy. He was a good human being. He was uh, somebody that uh, I think we're all going to miss. A hundred percent. I mean, one of the greatest of all time. And he this, really I, is. This only like solidifies his legacy. I think that people really? will. I thought he was really and, treated unfairly at SNL when he was fired. There was no reason to fire him. I, I mean, I, I think he pushed the buttons that he, he knew that if he kept doing this, he was going to get fired. It was all the OJ jokes. Um, but I think he went out in his own terms. And I think that's kind of what made him a legend. You know, the fact that he never had the huge hit sitcom, he didn't become Seinfeld, I think added to his legend that I think he had a, an amazing career and his comedy output is, uh, is unparalleled, that uh, he'll never be forgotten. Well, like, uh, I'm going to dedicate this to uh, Norm Macdonald, this episode, episode 22, number 30 in Croatia. I don't think this is 22. Is this 22? Doesn't matter. Doesn't 25. Matter. 25. Wow, we've done three since you've been here. <laughs> you've been here a lot longer <laughs> than, than we thought. Three episodes with the lovely Anthony Jeselnik, um, who is, I'm telling you, I 
I've seen the first 15 of the next hour. And if that is uh, any sign of what's to come, do not miss it. I'm sure it'll be available live on the road or Netflix or within the next year or so. Definitely worth the wait. And thank you so much for coming in and keep doing what you do. Anthony Jeselnik, everybody. And uh, I think that kind of ends this episode. Can we have the closing? Can we, can we, wait, 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 stop it, stop for a second. I was going to say, can we have the closing music? Can we have the closing? Go. All right, I, I got time for one prank call. <laughs> <laughs>